As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. All right, everyone, welcome back for another episode of the Sleeping with the Numbers podcast. Or at this point, should probably just be called Dylan Sleeping with the Number podcast because it's just going to be me again today. Uh, this is our Friday episode, and it's going to be our first Fantasy Friday. So just to kick it off uh, with some injury news that happened today, I'm recording on Thursday. Uh, Gus Edwards tears his ACL and will be out for the season. Uh, last I saw, they were signing Devonta Freeman to the practice squad in hopes of promoting him to the 53. Uh, most likely, Lev Bell probably going to come onto the 53 as well. And off the practice practice squad, you have uh, a, a lot of uh, confusion there for the running backs in Baltimore. Not that I was really big on them to begin with. Because Lamar Jackson's there, he'll run the ball himself. But now I don't want to touch any of them. Uh, Gus Edwards was a at least decent asset to replace J.K. Dobbins for the season. And I, he would have been a solid RB2 or RB3 uh, flex-type player uh, week to week. But overall, just probably someone you're not really happy to start to begin with. So now he's completely gone. I don't want to touch any of these running backs in the Baltimore backfield. Not worth it. Uh Look elsewhere. You could probably find someone else off your waiver wire that might be worth uh, a bit more there. Or, you know, you might have to go out and make a trade to fill that running back hole that Gus is leaving. So, as always, we're going to start off with another question of the day. And we're going to stick with this running back category and we're going to stick with fantasy, uh, which is going to be the whole topic for today. And the question of the day is going to be which running back has the highest bust potential. And, you know, that can mean a few things. Does that mean uh, they are completely out of the top 24? They're not even startable all season. Uh, it can also mean that, hey, they were high draft capital, you know, first round guy, and maybe they finish in the top 12. But based on where you're drafting them, they are still a bust. You know, that's like drafting Christian McCaffrey first overall, and he ends up as the running back eight. That's not terrible, but that's not what you drafted him to be, and you will end up uh, disappointed. So, sadly, my pick for today is going to be Saquon Barkley. I am obviously a massive Saquon Barkley fan. I went to Penn State. I named my dog Barkley after him. So, uh, I obviously love the dude, but I am worried about him, not just for re-aggravating uh, the injury, the ACL tear that he's coming back from, uh, we don't know if he's 100%. And not even that. Even if he is 100%, he's not coming back to really the same team that he left. And we talked about it before where Saquon Barkley really has not been Barkley since uh, he was with Eli Manning because Eli dumped the ball off to him early and often. We haven't really seen that from Daniel Jones, and I don't know if we will when he comes back. Now, they added some more receiving options with Kenny Galladay, so maybe that opens it up a bit more and, and all the focus isn't going to be on Barkley. But still, the Giants have the worst offensive line, according to the pro football focus, which is a problem to begin with. But hey, maybe he'll catch some, pa some passes out of the backfield and get, get it moving there. But they can't do that all the time. So while I can see Barkley's ceiling being tremendously high, 
the fall is also just as large. So as for the running back one set, he's probably the most likely that that will bust. And, you know, maybe he he doesn't fall completely off. Maybe he doesn't, uh, you know, burn you terribly. But if you have him as your running back one and he performs at the running back two level, you are disappointed. You're probably losing a lot of games because of that, because you don't have a high capital player um, in place of Barkley when you could have at the beginning of the draft season. So that's the pick. And so today's episode, like I said, fantasy episode. And what I'm going to do here is for about 30 minutes or so, I'm going to go through uh, Reddit on the fantasy football subreddit. And I'm going to go through and answer some uh, who do I start questions uh, going from quarterback to running back, wide receiver and flex. I'm not going to really touch the tight end kicker defense questions. It's not really uh Something I want to answer, those can be a bit more difficult because it's like if you don't have uh, one of the top tight ends, does it really matter who you start? Um, Really, you're just looking for that touchdown upside. Go with who you think has the highest possibility of getting a touchdown. So we're going to do quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and flex. So I'm going to transition here. Again, beautiful transition by me. Uh, Please check it out on YouTube at Sleeping With The Numbers. So going to the fantasy football subreddit, I don't know why this just grayed out. Okay, we're back. I don't know what the issue was there. And what's nice about these uh, fantasy football uh, threads here is they have this little table. And this table will say, hey, these comments have uh, less than two replies. You know, focus on these first because they've helped people in other threads and they deserve to be helped. All right, so the first question here is by Klein856. says he's in a 12-team half PPR league. Doesn't matter for quarterbacks, but uh, he has Aaron Rodgers versus New Orleans, but he's considering sitting Aaron Rodgers for Jalen Hurts against Atlanta. Are you crazy? Uh, he might be a little bit crazy. So uh, there's one more comment here on this. It says Hurts for floor, Rodgers for ceiling. I actually think that is the opposite. I think you're going to have Rodgers for the floor because he has a higher passing volume than Hertz does. Um, now, Hertz can go off. Absolutely. I don't see him completing nearly as many passes, but his rush game is what is going to make him relevant for fantasy. And so if he starts going off, if he starts running the ball, he's going to have a pretty high ceiling. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, he should get a ton of touchdowns. Now, if we're checking out the odds here for these games, uh, the Green Bay Packers versus the New Orleans Saints, they have a a 50-point over-under, and the Packers are expected to win by four and a half points. So, one, good matchup for Rodgers because high-scoring game. Two, they're expected to win, and not by a large amount. So that means it's going to stay somewhat competitive. And just because of how I feel with Aaron Rodgers to begin with and Green Bay as a whole – this is the last dance. They're going to go off. I've, I've said this in, in multiple episodes, but I really believe that is true. Now, looking at the Philadelphia Eagles-Atlanta Falcons game, they also have a decently high over-under uh, over with 48 and a half points with the Falcons uh, as the favorite here, putting the Eagles down as the underdogs. And I expect the Falcons to be able to come out and score. I think they have a... Pr- Pretty good offense, especially in the passing game with Ridley, Gage, Pitts now, Sisikis, uh 
on the other side of the ball with the Eagles, if you're starting Hurts, he has to throw to, you know, Smith, a rookie. Let's see how that, that goes. Jalen Rager, um, second-year guy who didn't really do much last year. Their run games, Miles Sanders, who didn't perform to what everyone wanted. So, again, if if Hurts is going to be the guy you start, you need to hope that he's going to be rushing the ball. And the issue as an underdog when you want someone to be rush, rushing the ball, uh, they're usually going to be passing more, right? Because they need to stay in the game if they are the, in the underdog. Now, it's not a massive spread, but they are the underdog and could be playing from behind for a lot of this game, meaning he's going to have to air it out. And if he's going to have to air it out and not use his legs where I expect him to make his points, I'm not playing him. So this is a pretty easy I'm starting Aaron Rodgers over Jalen Hurts. Okay, let's move on to another quarterback question. I'm just going to randomly pick here. Uh, Herbert versus the Washington football team or Tannehill versus Arizona. Ooh, I like this one. They are pretty close. I really like Justin Herbert. I think the Washington football team is a much more difficult uh, defense to play against in Arizona. I also think the Chargers are a pass-first team, whereas the Titans, as we know, are a run-first team with Derrick Henry. So that kind of limits Tar- Tannehill's upside because if they're anywhere near the end zone, you just give Henry the ball and he'll pop it right in. So that that's pretty easy there. Whereas Herbert, even for the running game, uh, this is also given if Austin Eckler plays. Um, Eckler makes his points in the passing game as well. He's a receiving back. Uh, if Herbert's dropping off to him and he runs it into the end zone, they both get points. Herbert's, Herbert gets a passing touchdown for that. Uh, so I also believe, if I remember correctly, the Washington uh, Chargers game is supposed to be a closer one. I think it's like a one-point favorite for the uh for the chargers so let me pull them up here yeah oh actually the line has flopped so this is like the third time i've seen this line flip-flop so chargers are now an underdog with plus one with washington at minus one a little lower over under at 44 and a half that makes sense when you have a good defense like washington and and the chargers honestly so that'll be definitely a, a more difficult matchup for herbert there and then we look here a much higher over under with 51 and a half points uh, for the Arizona Cardinals, Tennessee Titans game with the Titans three point favorites. Ah, that's a tough one. Yeah. So, so I'm going to stick with what I think. And that is going to be Herbert is probably the higher upside player just because a lot of their game is going to be through, through the air. It's going to be a lot of passes, a lot of dump downs to Eckler or whoever's starting. They got Keenan Allen, Al, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Um, it that that should be a, a high passing game for Justin Herbert. Whereas, like I said before, uh, the Titans have Derrick Henry, and that kind of puts a cap on Tannehill's ceiling. So, Justin Herbert is going to be my pick here. All right, posted the response there. Moving on to the next question, I'm going to pick uh, this guy, Statistician 100. See what he got. Uh, Very similar. This one is 
uh, this one's too easy. This is a Justin Herbert pick over Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, a, a rookie, definitely has the better matchup, but I think Justin Herbert is one uh, at this moment, a better quarterback on a better team and higher and has a higher upside uh, than Trevor Lawrence does. So that, that's going to be an easy Herbert for me. Now, let's try to not get another Herbert question. <laughs> uh, let's go with <laughs> Skittles McClure. I like that name. Oh boy. Trevor Lawrence. That, that one, that one's again is too easy. Full PPR doesn't matter for quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence versus the Texans or Matthew Stafford versus the Bears. That's going to be an easy Matthew Stafford. We're going to go with Beamer Boy. What do you got for me, Beamer Boy? Full PPR. Everyone puts that. <laughs> um, Kirk Cousins or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Oh, now that that's one I enjoy. Okay, so uh, just based on quarterback alone, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a much uh, more fun play. Uh, he's also a madman when it comes to fantasy. He comes out and he'll randomly put up like 40 point games. Whereas cousins is just like a, a safer guy who, who really doesn't have a lot of upside. Now he probably has the better receiving core with Justin Jefferson and um, Adam Thielen, where Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have Terry McLaurin and hopefully uh, Curtis Samuel. But Fitzpatrick has no problem hyper targeting a single guy like he did with Devontae Parker in um in Miami. So that that really isn't an issue. Um he's also crazy and he'll run into the end zone himself on some head first play where he'll get knocked out in the end zone or something nuts like that. So let's let's take a look at the over under here for this game. We already looked at the the Washington game for for Fitzpatrick. Pretty low over under against the Chargers. And then uh, Minnesota against the Cincinnati Bengals in the game. They should easily win, I think. This this is a close one. I don't think he can go wrong either way. I feel like I've said that for quite a, a couple of these, but there's a reason these questions come up because they're so close. So for me, I think Kirk is a safer play. But if you look at your opponent and you see that, you know, maybe they have a not that you should ever really base things solely on these projections. But if you are playing an opponent who you think you're going to lose to and you need to put up a lot more points, then I would roll with Fitzpatrick. All right. And with that, I'm going to move on to the running back position now. Uh, refresh the screen here so we can find some comments that have not been responded to. And I'll just scroll up and down and randomly pick Mr. Dr. Professor Teddy. I like it. So we got uh, what we got here. So 12 team half PPR Josh Jacobs versus Baltimore or Daryl Henderson versus Chicago. Yikes. That is an interesting one. Okay, so Josh Jacobs, they bring in Kenyon Drake for some reason because Gruden likes there to be competition or some crap. No one's job is safe or something stupid like that. Um, Josh Jacobs is a fantastic running back. He had a profile as a pass catcher coming out of college and he hasn't been utilized in that way. And it, it's really weird to uh, 
try to piece together why that is. They kind of seem to use him as a pure running back and always have some uh, third down guy come in to to take the pass catching work away from him. And that is really annoying as a Josh Jacobs owner because that puts a cap on his upside if he's not able to catch balls. And obviously, if you're in a, a P, any sort of PPR league, you want your guys to be able to catch the balls. So that's the issue I have with Josh Jacobs. Now, Daryl Henderson on the other side, I think, is a much uh, lesser running back. I I don't put them in the same tier. I think Josh Jacobs is the better, more talented running back. Uh, we were looking forward for Cam Akers to be playing this year before he got injured. And now it's Daryl Henderson, and he was also injured. And I don't really know his status there. So let's look that up real quick. All right. Yeah. So we had a thumb sprain 17 days ago. And then they brought in Sony Michelle because it seems like they really don't have uh, complete faith in Henderson as a running back. Kind of similar to how Gruden doesn't have complete faith in Josh Jacobs as a running back. Uh, both guys are the considered the starters. Michelle's probably going to be in a committee role with Henderson. Yeah, so this is a difficult one. And as you probably notice, I keep going back to these odds. And now what we look for um, in the odds for running back is you usually want the running back on the favorite team. Why? Because if they're winning, they're running out the clock. If they're running out the clock, they're giving the ball to their running back. So that that just kind of how it works. So if we go and we look at the Las Vegas Raiders, who are right here. Cool. They're right next to each other. Fantastic. So Las Vegas, Vegas Raiders are this is Monday night football. They are underdogs, four and a half points. Uh, with a higher over/under of about fi- of fifty and a half points, the Chicago Bears are m- massive underdogs, leaving the Rams as big favorites at at seven and a half points. A lower over/under, but like I said, you want the team that is the favorite, and who's more favorite or favored is the Los Angeles Rams, which is uh, Daryl Henderson. Probably get more work running out this clock against the Bears. Bears are not going to be able to keep up. Um, so that that will allow them to do this. So both um, uh, both primetime games, and I'm going to roll with Henderson. All right, very cool. All right, that guy, Norman. Full PPR, Henderson versus Bears, Swift versus 49ers. <clears throat> Gross. Okay. We just talked about Henderson, more favorite team uh, against the Bears, full PPR. So the passing probably favors Swift. Uh, Goff can definitely do some dump downs to him. Also, who else does Detroit have to throw the ball to besides him and uh, TJ Hawkinson? So I think Swift can see a lot of dump offs. Uh, giving giving a, a really nice PPR floor. Uh, I would start Swift over Henderson here. I think uh, it's probably a harder defense for Detroit against the 49ers. Let's take Lukey. So we got uh, Detroit Lions. Yeah, so they're, they're underdogs here. And I know I just said that you usually want the running back on uh, – 
the favorite team. But if DeAndre Swift is the uh, pass catching running back, that only works better for him because if they need to pass the ball, you know, get him some short routes, maybe a couple screens, something like that. Um, he'll get a point per reception. So that's actually, yeah, that I like that much more than Henderson, even though I don't like Detroit as a team. Uh, Swift is probably the go-to here. Okay, so question here. Who is the easier drop in case I want to nab a player off free agency last minute, Coleman or Gallman? So Tevin Coleman running back for the New York Jets and Wayne Gallman, who was just picked up by Atlanta and will be behind Mike Davis. So Coleman... I actually think is the starter still for the Jets on paper. I know that everyone expects uh, Michael Carter to be the starter, but I don't think he is right now. Yeah, no, Michael Carter is still third string on the New York Jets. So you cannot, even though uh, it's on a much worse team than the Jets, you can't drop a starter. You just can't do it. And, uh, there's no way Gallman is going to be first string when he just got signed. He probably doesn't really know the playbook yet. Uh, so that's going to be the move. The move is going to be to drop uh, Wayne Gallman. All right, that was a that was an interesting start sit question. Not really a start sit question at all. It's it's who do you drop? And uh, I like that. I like that question. All right, let's get in one more running back uh, starter question. We'll go with uh, what we got, CWP97. He asks, yeah, we, we somewhat already did this. So they got uh, pick one for running back two, DeAndre Swift versus San Francisco or Daryl Henderson versus Chicago. So I already told a couple other people to start both of these guys. So it is a full PPR league uh, that goes to DeAndre Swift. Okay, first question for wide receivers. We got 12-man PPR league, pick three. Stefan Diggs, that's going to be a lock. Uh, Robert Woods, T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, D-Jax, A-B. Diggs, you have to start. Woods, you have to start. Now it becomes T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, the... Uh, Djax AB, AB is already playing. Uh, so if he didn't play him already, Devonta Smith, I, I don't know how that's going to go with Philadelphia. Uh, I don't have a lot of trust in that team as a whole. I, Jalen Hurts is is more of a a running back than he is a quarterback. So I think that's going to be tough, even though it's going to be a competitive game where there should be a decent amount of passing going on. Um, T. Higgins, I think, is still the one in Cincinnati. And in their game, I believe it is a pretty, yeah, a decently high over under of 47 and a half points. They're going to have to play catch up um, with the Minnesota Vikings in order to stay competitive with them. So that gives a lot more opportunity to T. Higgins. So that, that's going to be the pick. Diggs, easy lock. Woods, another pretty easy lock. And then T. Higgins. Let's move on to another wide receiver question. We're going to go with 
than sap two Debo or cooks in a standard league cooks i'm gonna assume it's brandon cooks uh on houston which is not going to be fun debo is probably the two in san francisco but better quarterback situation better team situation i don't know who else they throw to though in houston it's not it's not a PPR league, so we really don't care. You know, it's all about the yards and the touchdowns. Who's more likely to get a touchdown? Well, that's where we always go back to the handy dandy odds. So we got the San Francisco San Francisco 49ers, 45 and a half over under, not big, and they're gonna be up against Detroit quite a bit. And then we got the Houston Texans and Jacksonville, also 45 and a half, but a much uh, closer expected game. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Cooks just because it is standard and I don't know who else they throw to um, in Houston. It, I understand that Debo, in any, any form of PPR, Debo's the play. But there's no point per reception here. I don't give a shit about targets. I, uh, it, it, it's Cooks. Cooks is going to be my pick. Moving on to the next starting question. We'll go with Robo Voice 52. Full PPR, Jerry Judy, Corey Davis. Yeah, you got to. Ooh, wow. Yeah, so my initial thought was immediately Jerry Judy. But then I realized Corey Davis is like the only wide receiver for the Jets. And he's been pretty solid this preseason in full PPR. If he's getting to the, the targets and the receptions and all that, that's not a terrible play. Whereas Judy, is he the one? Is he the two? I guess that depends on how you view Cortland Sutton. In my mind, Sutton should be the one leaving Judy at the two. But Judy was great last year on a per game level. And he was playing with probably a, a worse quarterback in Drew Locke compared to Teddy. So let me just look at the matchups real quick here. So the Jets are going to be playing uh, the Carolina Panthers, and they're going to be four-point underdogs with a 44-point over-under. Yeah, that's a tough one with such a low over-under. But uh, maybe they don't score a lot, but Corey Davis still catches eight passes or something like that. That That is a possibility. Now, for Jerry Judy, they're playing the New York Giants, which is also a even lower over under, which is apparently possible. I think it's the lowest over under over under for the week at 41 and a half points. So not a lot of scoring in this game. Um, seems to be like it's going to be a more competitive game with the Broncos only as two and a half point favorites um, for full PPR. <laughs> I'm actually going to go with Corey Davis because it was similar to the question before. I don't know who the Jets throw to other than him. Um, yeah, they got Elijah Moore, the rookie, which I I guess, sure. But Corey Davis seems like the go-to guy right now in uh in the New York offense. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him. All right, that'll do it for the wide receiver questions. Let's move on to the flex section. We're gonna go with Keith Stone, the third. Uh, 10 team standard, uh, T Higgins versus Minnesota or Deontay Johnson versus Buffalo. 
So this is a AFC North decision, which I can imagine you should know where my mind's going. And you are correct. <laughs> uh, Deontay Johnson is going to be the pick here. Uh, they have a tougher matchup in Buffalo. But Vegas is indicating that we should be, and I say we, the Steelers are going to be behind in this game, meaning they're going to be playing catch up, which means Ben's going to have to pass the ball. So when the Steelers are behind in the game, they pass to Deontay Johnson. Ben's going to have to air out this ball if we're playing from behind, uh, which we we expect to be uh, playing against the Buffalo Bills. Um, Juju is a short yardage guy. Chase is the all-or-nothing type guy and and the big guy in the end zone. So Deontay is going to get a lot of opportunity here and can can take one to the house for a touchdown. Uh, T. Higgins, I don't think he's a terrible play, um, but I believe the opportunity for touchdowns, which is really what matters in a standard league, is going to be limited, especially when they're in the red zone when they can give the ball to Joe Mixon, probably their best offensive player. Let's get another flex question in here. We got Jazz Time Dan. So <laughs> Mayday, uh, I have a running back one, Austin Eckler. Running back two, Najee Harris. That's fantastic. Wide receiver one, Justin Jefferson. Awesome. Wide receiver two, Robert Woods. That's pretty good. Flex Gibson. What is this team? Are you playing with five people? That's nuts. <laughs> do you roll the dice on Anderson playing or bump Gibson to the RB one switch Godwin to the wide receiver two. And then if Eckler is a no go flex woods, if Eckler is a no go, I miss woods. If Eckler doesn't go, I can flex Robbie Anderson or Mostert since Godwin already played. So this is really just a, a worry situation about Eckler's health. Now, he was sidelined again today on Thursday. Um, I believe he got a, a do not practice or at the most a limited practice. So I'm I'm leaning he's going to play. Um, so if this is a PPR league, it doesn't say if it is or not. Uh, but either... Either way, that's where Eckler makes his money is, is in reception. So um, if you're worried about Eckler, you put him in the flex, which is exactly what this person said to do. If you first off, you put the players that play last in your flex position. That way you always have an option. If something happens, you can swap them with more possible players and not just a positional player um, for that player. Um, another reason reason to put someone in a flex position is if you're worried about injury. If you're worried about injury, like you are with Eckler, put him in the flex. And that's what it does. It makes the position more flexible. If Eckler can't go, you can replace him with a tight end, a wide receiver, another running back. Doesn't matter. He's in the flex position. So this guy's saying if he doesn't play, should I play Robbie Anderson or Mostert since Godwin already played? I'm hoping this guy played Godwin. Godwin went, he already got a touchdown and was doing pretty well the last I checked. So I'm going to hope he played Godwin. Uh, but if not, um, you, do, you don't bench Eckler uh, yet. It's way too early for that. You put him in the flex. If you can't go, put in Robbie Anderson. That's a, that's a fine play. Let's do a couple more of these flex questions, and then I'm going to go through my process for building a DFS lineup. 
Uh, talk about how I construct my lines, what players I choose, um, what you have to do when making DFS lineups. And hopefully that will give you guys some good insight to use while you're constructing your lineups. All right, last question here for Flex. Uh, 12 team half PPR, choose one. Brandon Cooks against Jacksonville, Melvin Gordon against the Giants, Devonta Smith against Atlanta, and Jarvis Landry against Kansas City. Uh, so Devonta Smith is out. I won't be starting him. Brandon Cooks, um, he's not a PPR guy. Melvin Gordon's probably splitting time with Javante. I see Gordon as most likely the starter. Um, but that's a low-scoring game with the Giants. They're going to have to pass the ball, uh, Cleveland, that is, in order to keep up with Kansas City. I like Jarvis Landry. He has a note here and says Jarvis could be a double-edged sword because my opponent is starting Baker. Um, that's actually not quite true. That actually gives you a slight advantage because who gets more points? When uh, Baker throws the ball to Jarvis, let's say he gets one yard. So he gets half a point because he caught the ball, half PPR. He gets 0.1 points for catching the ball. Baker gets most likely 0.24, 0.25, depending on your league scoring settings. So you get more than double the points for for a yard. Uh, so yeah, do, do not take that as a negative. That's actually a positive. So I'm going to tell him to start Jarvis Landry here. Um, best choice for PPR, and I'm going to let him know that that's actually a good thing for him if his opponent is starting Baker Mayfield. All right, that is going to do it for these uh, Who Do I Start questions on Reddit. Um, hopefully we help some people. Hopefully some people watching this have the same questions, and and you know we can give a little bit of insight there. So let's go into the DFS lineup building for this week. All right, everyone. So for this second part, I'm going to be showing you how I personally construct my DFS lineups. Um, I, I really just follow the strategies written out by Establish a Run. They did a fantastic article on trends they found for the DraftKings billionaire maker. Um, and I, I try to follow those as closely as I can. And, and while following these, I was actually lucky enough to get second place in, in one of these tournaments and actually get a pretty decent payout of $8,000. Um, so that's always nice to obviously get these bigger wins. But I think a consistent, steady profit weekly from DFS is really what I aim for with the possibility of, of getting these big wins. And I think that's really possible by, by following uh, some of the rules set out here by establish the run. So uh, what they have found is there's no edge on leaving money on the table. I'm not going to completely read um, verbatim this article. I'll link it so you can uh, check it out on your own. I'll just give a high level overview of what they are telling us. So one, no edge in leaving money on the table. Basically what that means is you want to spend as much of your $50,000 salary as possible. Um, there is a, a an edge in doing it. And they state that, well, no, you, you don't want to do that because everyone's doing that. It doesn't matter, really. Even if everyone is spending the same dollar amount, the lineups are still going to be different enough from each other that there's, there, there's so many possible combinations um, in lineups that the amount spent really isn't what matters. It is who you pick and the percentage ownership type stuff that we'll, we'll talk about down here. So number two, 
Only 9% of the top 10 teams use tight end in the flex. Basically, don't put a tight end in the flex. I know it might be easy to put like a, a Waller, a Kelsey, a Kittle, one of these nice uh, tight ends in, in this flex spot. But the reality is you can spend your money better elsewhere and get maybe more uh, points per dollar is really what you want to look for. Number three, and I think this is the most important rule, uh, it's called stack, stack, and, and stack more. If you're unfamiliar with what a stack is, a stack is when you pick a quarterback and one of his teammates. Uh, so let's say uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Buffalo Bills game. If I'm going to take Josh Allen as my quarterback, I'm going to also take Stefan Diggs as my wide receiver because they are connected. Allen passes uh, Diggs the ball. They both get points. Uh, Diggs get, gets a touchdown unless he runs it. Uh, Allen also gets the point. So that's the point of stacking. Um, it, it extends your upside potential if you stack these players. Uh, number four here is also about stacking. Uh, yes, we can stack with running backs. So this one is very player and team dependent, right? And the reason for that is if you pick a quarterback, you only want to stack them with the running back if they're a pass catching running back. If it's just a really good running back like Derrick Henry, who really doesn't catch that many balls, there is no point in stacking them together. So if you have Ryan Tannehill, don't stack him with Derrick Henry because most of the time, Henry is just a straight up pure runner. So if he's just running uh, running the ball, Tannehill isn't getting any points for that. So the stack really doesn't work out. Uh, now, on the other side, if you have a pass catching running back like in Alvin Kamara, uh, you'll stack him with Jameis Winston because those dump downs, they both get points. So easy enough, you can do it with a running back, but it has to be the right running back. <clears throat> Number five here is called the bring it back stack. And what that is, is with your initial stack. So let's go back to Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. If that is my stack, the bring it back stack is when you put a an opponent for your normal stack in your lineup. So for the Bills game, they're playing the Steelers. If I stack my Bills, Allen and Diggs, I can bring it back with like a Najee Harris or a Juju or Deontay Johnson, uh, Chase Claypool. Any of those guys would be uh, bring it back stack and that is known to uh, give an edge. So number six here is one that I think a lot of newer or more novice players do not really pay attention to uh, just because the information is readily available. Now, you've got to do a little bit of digging and sometimes you might have to pay to get this info. I don't recommend it. There's places out here where you can get it for free. I'm going to be using uh, Pro Football Focus has their own uh, projected ownerships page. Um but number six is typically stay under the 120% cumulative ownership. So you do not know the real ownership for players until game time. And at that point, it doesn't really matter. So these uh, uh, companies are going to be making projections on what they think the ownership is. So let's say probably a higher owned player is going to be like a, uh, I don't know, maybe like a Devontae Adams. Maybe he's 15 to 20% owned. That's pretty high for a single player. And the way you get the cumulative ownership is you just add up all of the projected ownership for your entire team. And what 
Established or run has found that if you stay under that 120% cumulative ownership, that gives you a bit of an edge. And check out check out their article to get the, the distribution. Number seven is high-owned, high-priced running backs are often right. So that means the, the Christian McCaffrey is Alvin Kamara is the Dalvin Cooks. Um, these pricey running backs are usually who you want to have in your lineup. Now, they'll be a bit more chalky, meaning they're going to be more owned. But there's a reason they're at the top, right? There's a reason we draft these guys in the first round. And it's because they're just that good. So put them in your lineup. It's okay. You can get uh, lower owned players in other positions and and get some edge that way. And like I said, uh, this rule, be willing to go off the board, meaning get players who are likely to be lesser owned. So they have found that if you get usually one or two sub 5% owned players, you have a higher likelihood to be in the top 10. And the reason for that is because it, let's say let's say a player is exactly 5% owned. That means when they scored 95% of the your competition is not getting points. So you're going to pass them up. And, and that's, that's the point of that. So you usually want to have one or two um, sub 5% owned players. Now you can go over, but if you look at the distribution they have in this article, um, you usually don't want a team of nobodies, right? Because they're just not going to get that workload. The point of these lower owned players is you want them to have a high upside, high ceiling, even if it's a low probability to hit. If it hits and no one else has them, you're going to make a lot of money because your team's going to shoot to the top. Then number nine here, it's okay to mix in some chalk. So they're saying that top 10 lineups average 1.9. So basically two players per lineup that are 20% or higher owned. So one of them is likely to be one of those top tier running backs. And then, you know, you'll get a higher owned guy somewhere else, probably at maybe a quarterback or something like that. And speaking of quarterbacks, that is number 10 here. Punting at quarterback shows an edge. And what they mean by punting is just, you know, not spending up on on a quarterback. So they found that the top 10s in these million makers rostered a sub $6,000 quarterback 45.4% of the time, which is pretty wild. So basically what that means is spending up on a Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray usually is not worth it. Now, in some cases, you might want to do it if there's a good stack. Uh, with one of those guys, maybe it is worth doing. But usually, according to this data, getting a lower um, salary quarterback gives you an edge because you can spend that money elsewhere. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's make a lineup. And I have a lineup in my head um, because I actually just did this and I forgot to hit record. <laughs> so I know what lineup we're making. So I'm going to run through this a little quick but I am going to explain why we did it each time. So row number one, stack. We want to stack um, a quarterback with a player that he's going to be passing to. And usually the way I pick this is I go and look at the over-unders for the week, and I try to find a high over-under because the more projected points, the higher likelihood your guys are going to score touchdowns. And so a big one that stands out to me is the Arizona Cardinals-Tennessee Titans game. They have an over-under of 53 points. There is only one game 
that is higher, and that is the Cleveland Browns Kansas City Chiefs game. They're a uh, they're at an over under of fifty four and a half points. So we're going to stick with the Arizona Cardinals Tennessee Titans game, and let's see what we can make. So like established a run uh, talked about, you usually don't want to spend up on a quarterback. And I said Kyler Murray explicitly because he's the number two highest um, quarterback here for DraftKings this week at $7,600. So I love Kyler Murray. I think he's going to be fantastic. I have him on quite a few of my fantasy teams. But I'm going to take the guy opposing him and Ryan Tannehill just because he is cheaper at $6,500. Now, like we said, we got a stack, right? So Ryan Tannehill with a wide receiver, we're not going to put in Derrick Henry. He's not a pass catcher. He might do fine on his own right, but he's not worth it for the stack. We have to stack it with someone who's going to catch the ball from Ryan Tannehill. Scrolling down here, we have A.J. Brown at $7,100 and Julio Jones at $6,800. Now, there's always risk in taking Julio Jones after, as I know, after owning him for multiple teams over the years. Um, he's always an injury risk. He's a fantastic player when he is on the field. But I think for only $300 more to get A.J. Brown, who I think is the number one, um, that is worth it. So I'm going to stack AJ Brown with Ryan Tannehill. So the next role we're going to follow, we want to get a high priced chalky running back and looking here, we got Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin cook, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara right at the top. So Christian McCaffrey is really expensive at 9,500. I don't really want to spend up to get that. I would like to have money to fill out some of my other positions, Dalvin Cook, I think, would be a great play at 9,100. But DraftKings is full PPR. So I want a guy who's going to catch the ball a lot. And that guy is Alvin Kamara. He is only $8,600, but I expect him to have a heavy, heavy workload this week um, while playing Green Bay. So pop him in the lineup as our chalky, expensive running back. Now is kind of where I get a little bit thrown off. Because it will say, you know, you have an average amount per player of $4,633. And that isn't really a realistic number because um, you're not going to spend that much on a defense and probably not going to spend that much on a tight end. So what I like to do now is go actually into uh, the defenses. And I, I look for a really cheap team just to kind of act as a placeholder. And usually I look for a team that can kind of hold their own. Maybe they're not actually the best defensive unit, but they're a team that should do okay this week. And for me, that is the Atlanta Falcons. I think they'll do just fine against Philadelphia this week. I think they have a, a very young um, receiving core, and they're going to need to pass in order to keep up with um, Atlanta, who I, I think will put up a decent amount of points. Now, at quarterback, it's going to be Hurts, and Hurts does a lot of his work on the ground, um, not really airing it out, but I expect him to have to air it out um, in this game in order to keep up. So I'm going to take the Falcons here. Now, they might just stay as a placeholder, um, but they are the cheapest defense and one I think can do quite okay at $2,000. So that bumps up my salary per player to $5,160. And again, I still think that is a little lower than what it um, than 
what it's telling me. And that's because if we're going to buy a tight end, our tight end probably isn't going to be that expensive because we're not going to take Kelsey, who's at $8,300. We're not going to take Kittle at $6,300. I like to pay a little, a little cheaper at the tight end. Um, usually, now this week is going to be a little different because prices aren't true. And by true, I mean these prices came out very early. <laughs> so they are not really reflective. <clears throat> They're not really reflective of the player uh, just yet. So I expect next week these prices are going to be a bit more realistic. Um, and when they are, I like to take a, a cheaper tight end that has touchdown upside. Now, maybe they don't get the most work. Maybe they're not getting a lot of PPR points, but a touchdown is usually good, uh, good enough at this tight end position. And if you don't spend up at tight end, you can spend that money elsewhere. So this week, I am going Kyle Pitts. Um, I think he is a value here. He is only $4,400. If he is anything what people are expecting him to be, this is amazing. Um, he should get those PPR points. Uh, and he also has that touchdown upside. The dude is a, a monster. Now, I do not expect him to be this cheap for the remainder of this season. Like I said, this is a price mismatch, and you need to take it while you can. So, Kyle Pitts is who I'm going to take, and he's probably likely a higher-owned player. But we talked about that. It's okay to throw in some chalk. Um, we'll get the lesser-owned guys elsewhere. So that brings my uh, salary per player to $5,350. So that's a bit more realistic in what we will be able to spend. So let's continue, let's continue to follow these rules by Establish a Run, and let's actually do a, uh, a bring-it-back stack. Um, so what that means is to bring it back, we're going to pick an opponent of Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown. So they're playing Arizona. Uh, it would be great if we could put in Hopkins here, um, 7,800. That is not too bad. In the last one, I, I put in Edmonds cause he was pretty cheap. Um, Hopkins might not, let, let's see if we can fit Hopkins in here. If not, maybe we go back to Chase Edmonds. So I'm going to pop Hopkins in here for the bring it back at 7,800. And that drastically reduces my, my salary per player down to 4,533. So let's see if we can make this work. So now we need to find some cheap option at the wide receiver position. And this is where I am going to pop over to pro football focus and look at their projected ownership. So we want a sub 5% owned guy um, that will give us an advantage over our competition. And usually these guys are on the cheap as well. So starting at the 5%, nope, we don't need a defense, not a quarterback, running back, no. Uh, surprising to see Nick Chubb down here um, far below, but it's likely because they're worried about playing Kansas City and being down. So Brandon Ayuk is at 4.5%, but he's also $5,700, which is higher than our per player of four, by quite a bit. We're at 45. So let's look for someone cheap. We have Cole Beasley at 4,400. I really don't want to play Cole Beasley. Paris Campbell is interesting at 3,700. He's projected at 3.6% ownership. And he is probably the number two for the Colts at the moment with Pittman at, at one. They're playing Seattle. 
I believe Seattle is favored, so they could have they might have to air it out to keep pace with Russ and, and DK and Lockett. Paris Campbell might be a, a, a solid pick. That is a nice price and low ownership. Let's scroll down, see if there's anyone else I like. I really like Russell Gage, but he is a bit too expensive at 5300 for me. Uh, that also reminds me. So there is another type of stack that um, has been starting to get research, and it's called a secondary stack. And I believe I saw this on the um, Daily Fantasy Sports uh, subreddit. And they said that a secondary stack is essentially another stack of players, obviously not a quarterback, but it's another stack of players from the same team in a different game. Um, And there has been some research that shows that there is some edge to doing that. So if we did gauge and pits, that could be a secondary stack, and maybe that gives us an edge over our competition. So maybe if we have enough money later, we can throw in Russell Gage, but let, let, let's find someone cheaper at the, for now. All right. Corey Davis is 4,900, 2.4% owned. That's still a bit much. Let's, let's actually go with Paris Campbell at that 3,700 price point. I think that that is decent value for a wide receiver too. And hopefully Wentz can do his job. <clears throat> awesome. So now our per player amount for the salary is $4,950. Uh, we still need another running back. And usually the cheaper running backs are not that great. Let's see who we can get that is kind of under that average amount or around it. Uh, Naeem Hines is not bad. He actually, he just got paid. So good for him. He's $5,000. So over our average, um, he's also the pass catcher, which is great for full PPR uh, DraftKings. So he's a possibility. Ooh, Chase Edmonds is cheap at 4,600. We already have a bring it back with Hopkins. Do we want to have both of them? That is a tough one. I don't think so because that will limit our upside. They can't both score on the same play. So I think we'll keep Hopkins for now and see what else is available. I see Jamal Williams at 4,500. They are expected to get demolished by San Francisco, meaning they will always be playing catch up, meaning they have to pass the ball to someone. Swift likely to get a lot of work, uh, but there's a reason they brought in Jamal Williams. He's always been the pass catcher uh, while he was in Green Bay. So I th- that that's decent. So let's check out his ownership here. So Jamal, J-A-M-A, Jamal Williams, 1.8% projected ownership. That's fantastic. So let's go ahead and add him in there. He checks both boxes for price and projected ownership. So we're going to pop in Jamal Williams as our second running back. And now we have one more position to fill with $5,400 remaining, and it is flex. So we can go Mike Davis. I don't really want to do that. Um, Russell Gage. So I feel like I'm, I'm going back and forth between this secondary stack 
thought because in my mind, it feels like it limits your upside because they cannot both score on the same play. But the research that I've read says otherwise, that it's usually a good move. So I guess I got to figure out what I believe about that. I really like Russell Gage. He should be the wide receiver too. I think that should be a decently high scoring game. I think let's check out the over under. They have a 48 and a half point over over under. So that's decently high. I have never really messed around with that secondary stack. Screw it. Let's try something new. If it actually provides an edge as it's said to with the, some of the things I've been reading, maybe we stick with it moving forward. So I like, Ooh, do I like Russell Gage or Mike Davis? Mike Davis really is the only running back. They signed um, uh, Booker. No, no, they signed Wayne Gallman. Okay, so he should be fairly busy given that Cordero Patterson and Wayne Gallman are the only other options. Yeah, so Mike Davis could get a heavy workload. He did just fine while McCaffrey was out. He can catch a ball. I like it. Let's do it. Let's throw Mike Davis in there for our final position. And we did it. We spent all $50,000. So reading back our lineup, we have Ryan Tannehill with A.J. Brown for the stack. We did a bring it back stack with DeAndre Hopkins. We got our chalky running back in with Alvin Kamara, who is obviously a fantastic pass catcher. We have full point PPR. That's great. We have another low-owned running back for the cheap in Jamal Williams, and we're really just looking for that pass-catching upside with him in a full PPR uh, format. We then have Paris Campbell, another low-owned wide receiver to give us some, some separation from our competition. We have a tight end in Kyle Pitts, and I... Kyle Pitts, let's check his projected ownership, but I would imagine it's probably pretty high um, just because I believe he is mispriced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Kyle Pitts is the third highest projected owned player at 22.3%. So got to throw in some chalk there just because of the, the, the misprice. So have to have him in there. I think that's worth it. We are then doing that secondary stack with Pitts and Mike Davis. And I don't know if this counts, but we also have the Falcons defense who I expect to do just fine. And that's really all we're looking for is fine um, against the Philadelphia Eagles, because really you're not looking for all of your points to come from a defense. Now I've had lineups that um, will go off if, you know, a defense is getting touchdowns, but that's not what you look for. That's not the the probability game you're playing. You want to get, uh, better players elsewhere. And usually I punt at the defensive position. So that is our lineup and I like it. I'll be sure to tweet this out to you guys and, uh, hopefully we get some cash and I'll be sure to, I'm going to be making more lineups before Sunday and I'll, I'll share them with, with everyone as well. Um, and you know, we can go down together <laughs> if that's what happened. So that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm losing my voice as I talk through this since it's only me at the moment. Um, but I, again, thank you for tuning in. 
Um, this week, these past two weeks have been really fun getting this started. Um, I hope you enjoy it. I hope we do well together. Um, last night we went two for three on the model picks. The only one we didn't get was a spread. So I'm not disappointed with that result. Hopefully it only goes up from here. Um, be sure to follow us, uh, subscribe on YouTube at sleeping with the numbers. You can find us on Instagram at sleeping with the numbers. You can follow us on Twitter at SWTN underscore podcast. You can also follow our picks on uh, Action Network. Check out the description. I have the links to, to my account, Pat's account, the podcast account, and the models account. So we got quite a few different ones. Um, so be sure to check those out if you want to tail. Um, please uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wh wherever you're listening to us. We We put this everywhere we could. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. I hope we're only improving and uh, please connect with us. We want to talk to you guys. We want this to be about discussion. We want to discuss our picks um, with the people because I think it only helps us make more informed decisions. So um, that is all we have. I will see you guys next week on Monday. And best of luck this week in fantasy and DFS and, you know, in real football. All your sportsbook bets, uh, best of luck. Thanks. We'll see you.